are yeah that's the tattoo tomorrow so after that i'll load up whatever all right so we are live thank you everyone for joining once again let's talk about feelings on the reinventing the tattoo network i am robbie rapole he is dusty pitstick and he may recognize from the TikTokins and such John. mr sir johnelson <laughs> <laughs> or john nelson as some call him uh but yeah, Ripple. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I was on his podcast earlier and he fucking knows how to pronounce my last name, which is crazy. Yes. And he actually he says it the way my father used to say it, where like the O kind of has an A. So it's like Rapal. Like it was really weird hearing you say that. Like because I mean your dad. You're my dad. Dad. How'd you get so white? I'm really proud of you, son. You're gonna make me cry. My dad never told me he was proud of me. <laughs> Actually, he told me he was proud of me once when I lost my leg and I started walking again. <laughs> and that was the first time my dad told me he was proud of me. Um, so thanks, Dad, for telling me you're proud of me again. <laughs> I like that story because before you finished it, it was well, he told me he was proud of me once when I lost my leg. <laughs> and then there was like a, a nice little hang before and then i walked again <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um thank you reinventing thank you guy gabe and everybody that makes this happen um and yeah so yo i love you cam you're the shit good to see you bro see you tomorrow uh yeah so um yeah sorry we're in the middle of a tattoo shop <laughs> and uh, i just kind of sprung this on everybody but uh yeah man um so we don't really, we're a very open forum with the way I do it. Uh, I don't really have plans on how anything goes. Um, we just talk. So, uh, you know, I liked some of the things that you were diving into on your podcast earlier. Sure. And I'd like to dive back into some of those yeah, things. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize that you were in recovery and you were an addict at some point. Um, so tell us kind of about that. Do you mind handing me um, it? Yeah, so... I mean, obviously it started when I was younger, um, typical, you know, typical kid stuff, I might say, yeah. like experimenting here, going to parties, uh, wanting to, you know, fit in, try new things, mm -hmm. wanting a little bit of attention, you know, whether it was from uh, guy friends, you know, being involved with what they're doing, or, you know, girls just being in the group, hanging with whoever, uh, and that's all, you know, as far as addiction, that's what it was. It was normal experimenting, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, evolved into just noticing that, you know, I got more excited about it than some of my more normal friends. Okay. But the differences were kind of hard to tell in the beginning because a lot of my friends that I was experimenting with um, were also addicts. <laughs> so it wasn't like I was this like oddball that was that was different from them. Okay. Uh, it just so happened the whole my whole group of friends growing up were like degenerate junkies. And I was like, oh, this is normal. Like, you know, we're just 16, whatever, trying it. And in the uh, area I grew up in, some of these harder drugs were more readily available and pretty common. Okay. You know, like opiates, you know, even, you know, cocaine, crack, whatever. Uh, and, and it was kind of typical to see them at high school parties. You know, and you would like try it here and there, you know, with the kids in the bathroom or whatever, but it it didn't have this um, scare factor that I've, I've seen 
right. with a couple other groups or, or areas growing up it's pretty normal yeah, so you're guys. just a dumb kid and you're trying it and you, you don't you know no one's talking about like physical dependence or, or consequences in that area you're just like oh you know bringing you know weed or alcohol is cool well this is even cooler and that's all it was it was wow. cool let's just try this you know Damn. um early on parents heard you know whispers of this going on scared the shit out of them they didn't want to take any chances they you know sent me away so this was maybe 15 16 getting sent away you know feeling like it was unjustified coming home getting right back involved getting sent away again and this was just, a just the childhood yeah no shit. so it was um you know a lot of treatment centers sometimes i'd get you know stubborn uh deny the treatment center go to jail sometimes i get stubborn go to psych ward what what you know if i'm like yo i'm just i don't want to go to treatment again like all my friends are in jail just send me there i'll go hang out with them you know yeah, yeah. or like maybe the quick way out instead of going to 30-day treatment center i could just go to the psych ward for a week you know by saying like oh i want to kill myself whatever you know no shit yeah so it was over and over and over again which led to uh I don't know how much you want me to go into it, but it led to. As much as you feel comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. I apologize for eating, but I'm starving. No, you're good. You don't. <laughs> so through this was all high school, and with each treatment center, jail, um, consequence, and normal life, I'd get sent to a new school. So I think I went to like nine different high schools. So you get really good at making friends quick or adapting or chameleon or whatever right, right or finding like versatile characteristics that can apply anywhere okay right? uh so that was helpful even though it was a force tool right but you know you're like all right i gotta make the best of this it just obviously just keeps happening and it definitely sucks because you're like i don't want to keep making new friends but right. like yeah right but it, it plays into what we were talking about earlier like when you've gone through some rough times or like times get harder all the other problems kind of get quieter, right? Wow. So like as these big events are happening and maybe my normal friends are like, oh, my girl said no to prom or like my parents didn't buy me a car. Like all those things went out the window, <laughs> you know? Like I'm like, yo, I'm, this kid at jail tried to stab me with a, a pencil in the neck, you know? I'm sorry you didn't get your fucking Acura. You right, know, yeah. 16. Uh, God damn. Which did play into like gratitude. Maybe I wasn't experiencing that immediately, but it showed me like I didn't really need much to live or be happy, right? Because I was finding, even though you know I wasn't happy to go to these places, like I was still finding happiness and hope because you have to, mm -hmm. especially when you're in there for like six months, a year or longer, you know, and it teaches you these young or these lessons young, yeah. like acceptance, patience, you know, making the best out of bad situation. Surrender. Surrender. Yeah. That, I mean, until you can do that, like if you're getting locked up or you're going to a therapeutic community and until you surrender, like your time is going to be miserable. Like if you just fight it, fight it, fight mm -hmm. it. Right. So you learn to adapt to these situations. Um, but whatever, even through that, I wasn't really ready to stop. I thought maybe if I just do things different. So there was a lot of trial and error. Got into tattooing. Um, And I remember like having hope in a way that mm. I never thought I would because it's like, oh, my God, like my whole life, it's been, you know, addict, bad kid, you know, 
friends, parents say, you can't hang out with my son, you know, the whole like dismiss kind of, you know, black sheep. So that was my identity. And then this guy, you know, Trent Harillis in New Jersey says, I will mentor you and you can be my tattoo apprentice. And it was the first time I was presented with a label or a title that I could be proud of. Right. Like other <clears throat> Of those other ones that were just given to me those are rough titles too right yeah. right you like, jokes about it and you make it laugh but it's not fun when like you're you know 14 15 16 and like everyone's going to parties and you're learning you know how to talk to girls and and go through these emotions and they're talking it up all week and then your boy has to pull you aside quietly and said hey sorry my mom said you're not allowed to come you know to my house or whatever like you're a bad kid right yeah. God, that's gotta hurt so bad. It 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 does. I don't know if, if I realized it like at the time, like right. I shrugged it off. Oh, no problem, whatever. But then what do I do? Okay, I'll just go hang out with the other kids that aren't allowed, which and are also bad kids. It. Yeah, and I'll just go do drugs about it. Yeah. Do some cocaine about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh New Jersey. Right. Uh, Morris County. Okay. So like North Jersey. Yeah, Donna's yeah. from Philly. So she's uh, nice. the area. Yeah, yeah. Uh and I remember, I, rem- I remember I told this story recently on a podcast, but I remember I was with my like main running partner. So we're like 18 at this point. Like we're very bad people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not like inside, but we're just doing a lot of bad things right. to try to feel better. Yeah. Uh, Cause like you've been, you've been labeled at such an early age, right, right. you've been put in a weird fucking box and you're right. like, well, if you're going to keep telling me I'm cheating, I'm going to go cheat on you. Yes. You yeah. know, like I'm a bad kid. Well, let me go do bad kid yeah, things. And you're yeah. young. So like to have those immature reactions is normal. Right. Cause and you're that's still, the learning. Thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm driving, we're on our way to Newark, like obviously to get high and I'm telling my buddy like, Hey, I had this meeting with this guy and he said, I could, you know, be a tattoo apprentice under him. And I remember my boy, like who was, we were pretty numb at the time. There wasn't much emotions going on, right. you know, he like stops and he like looks at me and he's like, wow, you're going to be someone, you know? And like to us, Dude. like to us, like be someone, it didn't mean like, well, you're going to be a star someday. Yeah. It was like, no, like you're not going to be a heroin addict. And like, that's you like, you have a title. Yeah. Like this is your shot. And he was like getting excited for me, wow. but also almost like, Hey, leave me behind and like, go be someone like you have like a chance, you know, wow. and, like we still like got high that day and we still like, did what we did, you know, <laughs> if you're talking about tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, the drugs are there. that's later problems. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, well, it's like, it's like when you go on a diet, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> Let me eat like a bag of shit tonight. Yeah. Yeah. We probably got all kinds of high talking about, you know, what I was going to be or not be. And I show up at their apprenticeship and like, I got my stuff together. Like, I remember like I stopped using, like I got on like Suboxone. It was all like by myself. It wasn't, you know, in a, in a program, but I was really trying to do it like myself. Yeah. And I think I put together like a couple months. I wasn't really happy or like, there wasn't a feeling of permanence, but I was for the first time, maybe ever like for myself, without my parents telling, I was like trying to, to put a life together, you know? And eventually I slipped up and like little things like, Oh, maybe I could just smoke weed or I could do this. I started bringing like old friends back and this was slow over like nine or 10 months. And eventually it just got bad again, you know? And I remember like 
you know, sketchy kids were showing up at the end of the day, the shop to like bring me home or like whatever. And like, I was close <laughs> with my mentor at the time. Like we would sh share stories with each other and what was going on. You know, I was hiding the fact that I was slipping from him, but I told him about past and what I was trying to do. So he wasn't dumb. He started to pick up on, you know, what's happening. And, you know, long story short. Especially being a tattoo artist. Yeah. Like we know things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're spending all day with each other. Yeah. But he, um, he caught on. He gave me the opportunity to be honest, and I lied to him. Fuck. And and he already knew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's why we ask questions right, like that. Like, right. hey, you want to tell me right. something sure going on? You know. So quick, you know. After he was like, I know, whatever. I got honest. He fired me. Um, I came. That's when I moved to Florida because at that point I felt like I lost everything. You know, because you were going to be something. Yeah. Yeah. And I had this taste of hope. So I was kind of over like. I was just over everything. I was like, OK, everyone's been suggesting I go out of state to get clean, to be completely ripped from my society. I'm just going to do it. I don't care. Nothing to lose. Right. So came down here, did the whole rehab thing, change everything. It worked out pretty decent. No one wanted to hire like a year apprentice. So I just got another apprenticeship. That was the best I could find. But it's like old biker dude, really old biker dude, mean as fuck, bro. <laughs> and he gave me like a traditional like apprenticeship. Yeah. Like, and not in a bad way, it's just what it was at the time. But there was like a lot of humiliation, a lot of like breaking down ego, a lot of costumes, a lot of bad talk, sometimes hitting. It's cleaning cars it's just what it was i got hit a lot it's just what it was i i i, I apprenticed under my dad so like, yeah he'd smack me and make me yeah, cry yeah, while i was tattooing yeah. yeah so i get it yeah and it was and like i signed up for it every day he wasn't like you have to he had no threatening he's like if you want to be here and this so what you got right so i just showed up so it's not like i'm a victim or anything and uh at least in that sense <laughs> and it was awesome it was exactly what i needed you know i needed someone to tell me to shut up i needed someone to tell me i wasn't cool you know, I didn't know anything. Like I had to listen. I had to be teachable, open-minded. You know, I had to pay attention. Yeah. Things you do matter. You know, nothing is skipped over. Not a setup, not a Q-tip, not a whatever. It's very like Mr. Yeah, yeah, means something, you know? And then after these hard days, I would get to sit down on the couch with this old dude and he would share, me, share some wisdom with me. And it's what it was and it was cool. And you worked a lot, you know? You worked from 10 in the morning till midnight six days a week and then on your day off you had the privilege of doing a yard sale at your mentor's house <laughs> and that's what the week looked like <laughs> you had the privilege <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he'd give you like five bucks and he'd let you use the bathroom inside right it was a good day right 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 <laughs> yeah but i was so happy to be there donna's the worst about apprenticeships she believes that everyone should have like a fucking spit shine fucking toothbrush because toothbrush floor apprenticeship it's because in order to work the front desk making a hundred a week i had to go through all of the apprenticeship bullshit and these people are so she's got a chip on her shoulder yeah right and that's the thing like well, I'm, I'm with her on that you and i have had that conversation like there's a difference between straight up harassment and not, but like there are a lot of kids now that are like, I had to get the coffee and I'm like, oh damn, I remember having to dive in the dumpster that we shared with the Chinese food restaurant because I accidentally <laughs> threw away someone's tube in like 2003, like fuck. And yeah. you know, like, so, yeah. so 
I remember like hearing stories of like, I had to take one dick and suck another one at the same time. Like, like, dude, that's fucking rough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't condone the shit, but I do, I do appreciate a level of, I don't want to say humiliation, but ego breaking down. Right. Um, and the rebuilding part of it. The rebuilding is the best part. The message was there. Yeah. Even though it was in the form of an, an, a little bit dated old biker format, it was still there. And I understood that. And he cared about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he was a but, dick, he cared about it. Yeah. We had this drill, like just to kind of show you the level of whatever was going on in his head. He was so convinced that he was going to get robbed by other bikers that he would make us run this drill where he would show us his revolver. It looked like walking dead. Like it yeah. was just huge, yeah. like unnecessary. And then he would be in this back office with like a, that glass that you can only see the one way. Yeah. So you don't know what's going back there. And he would scream drill. And it was our job to get on the floor in preparation for him to shoot bullets across the shop. He wouldn't oh. shoot. But once in a while, he would call out drill. And if he didn't drop, he'd come out. He'd be like, you'd be fucking dead right now. You failed the drill. Like all the like clients would be in there. What the yeah, fuck? He's like, he's like, I can't only do it when clients aren't here. Because if it happens, you got to make it real. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just, all right, like, all right, once a day, you're hearing drill. You get on the, you know, the floor. You hoped you cleaned the morning before. It's a dirty tattoo shop floor, you know, whatever. <laughs> Well, you know, these are the things that went on. I wanted to be, I wanted to be the best, you know, so I was going to, I was going to do this. I'm going to do the drill. Yeah, so. he said. God. So we were doing this and, and starting to like find an identity in, in tattooing. Okay. Right. Now I've had, you know, a couple different um, older figures to, to learn from. I, from, I had some choices and things were going well. And just like I had like groups that I was going to uh, you know, for recovery and getting off drugs, you know, I had these other groups in tattooing that were kind of teaching me how to be like a, a grown up, like a different version of a grown up. Mm -hmm. So it was like a nice combination to have. One of the mentors was in recovery as well. So that was nice. I could connect, but it was very much like something that ba bad would happen. Let's say like I went through a breakup and I would bring it to the recovery group and they'd be like, okay, like here's an opportunity to practice being the kind of man you want to be like, do you want what's best for that girl? And do you want to just like, let it go and, you know, not be that like embarrassing, like pleading, like whatever, right. like, or do you want to be this like simple person? That's like, Hey, I wish the best for you. No harm, no foul. We all have to find our, our path, you know, and I wish the best for you and just let it go. Even though that's not how I felt. Right. Yeah. Cause and you wanted I, to be embarrassing. You don't know how yeah. to be. And then I would go to the tattoo shop and they'd be like, yeah, everything the recovery people said is great. Another thing is we can translate it into our art, how we feel we can show mm. up for work. They would teach me that like when I'm going through tough times, the worst thing I can do is to lack of my responsibility and accountability because I'll create yeah. more problems. Absolutely. Right. So they're like, okay, you're going through a difficult time show up to work. If you don't do anything else, show up to work. You know, even if you're half speed, let people know what's going on. Cause if you don't communicate, no one's going to know. And maybe you're having a bad time fun of you and you snap, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like, yo, that's on you. You didn't let any of us know, like you and your girl are struggling or whatever. And I get these two versions and, and then I started to bring them, you know, good stuff. You know, it could be like, Hey, I met someone or Hey, like, you know, I was able to save up and get my own place. And I would get this unity of a victory. Like, hey, listen, you should take time 
and celebrate this. You should be proud because sometimes right. we need that. Sometimes we'll dismiss. Yeah. We so, don't celebrate enough. Right. Like, dude, tattoo awards, fucking accomplishments, right. like milestones. None of us celebrated enough. Right. And the ones that typically do celebrate, celebrate it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it really helped create um, balance yeah. in my life. And then it was kind of just the same thing like throughout the years and maybe the first two or three years, I had to be careful, you know, because of my personality and whatever. So there's some situations that like in the beginning, like I just couldn't say no. Like I cheated on everyone my whole life, right? Like every girl, whatever, relationships meant nothing. So like maybe if I was in a situation where I'm in a relationship and like some hot chick is like, hey, do you want to, you know, cheat essentially? Do you yeah. want to do this? It was really hard for me to say no. So I learned just not to put myself in that fucking position or maybe drugs too. Maybe it's just hard for me to like say no to a drink at a bar. So the first year, the second year was a lot of like damage control. Don't mm. put yourself in the situation. Think about it. Like, yo, know, the boys are inviting you out to the bar and you had a rough day. Maybe just say no, go home, go to sleep. You know, like you just met this chick you like and you value the relationship and she's saying she wants to be exclusive. Maybe don't go out to the strip club or go to the, the place with, all, you know, the pool party where right. she's naked. Yeah. You know, like take a step back. Yeah. Um, it's not like that now, you know, I'm comfortable and, and whatever, right. Right. but it was, it was being cautious and like protecting the things I held valuable, which was my clean time and my tattoo career, you know? And that, that, you know, in a nutshell was really the, the process of kind of having the childhood I did, realizing that I struggled with, you know, an addictive personality and learning how to live with it. Yeah. And then like the relationship management, you kept getting dismissed by your parents. So like, I'm sure that had a, a part in like relationships, not really meaning that much. Right. You know, which is something... We don't, we don't always know how to fucking pinpoint it at the time, right. but later on you can see it. Or like the bouncing around everywhere. All the relationships are temporary anyway. Yeah. You know, if I make friends with you in school, it's going to be like a month or two before I get sent away again. And it's right. Like, Bye. Right. You right. Know? No shit. Wow. Wow. Damn, dude. <laughs> That's some heavy shit. So like now, th so this is like, it's weird because the story kind of seamlessly transitioned from like crazy biker type thing to like, like actual sunshine right right you know right. so like were you still at the biker shop when you started to value things and take it more seriously or how did that go after that so with the biker shop um him and i would butt heads a lot at the end and in a i feel like in a respectful way as like a also being a 20 year old kid or whatever i was like hey i'm gonna like part ways essentially uh so I did that and I, there was like a month or two where I thought maybe the, maybe tattooing isn't for me, you know, We've all I just, yeah, I was going through bit. my own thing. I think I was actually going through a breakup and then you make it to the hope. And sometimes you're inspired to like change everything. I don't know if you've gone through that. You're like, maybe I need to change everything. Yeah. <laughs> you're like everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried like painting houses for a little bit and, and trying to figure it out. Cause at this point it's been years in the industry with making zero dollars as yeah. apprentice. Right. 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 Yeah. So you don't even, you haven't even really tasted the gold. Yet. Right. And like, you know, at the time, like I lived 20 or 30 minutes from the shop 
which was really like two hours of bus rides there and back. And, you know, when you make zero dollars, like five dollars a trip is really expensive. Yeah. Plus, mm-hmm. plus cigarettes, you know, yeah. plus like wanting to get, you know, something to eat at a diner once in a while. It's just a lot. Yeah. So I was tired of kind of like hustling like for money like that all day because it was because re- I told you my schedule, like the only time I had to really hustle was that like half day on Sunday when I was done with the um, yard, yard sale. Yeah. Uh, so it was it, after, you know, you're begging people, you're, you're drawing like little portraits here and there, like you're doing whatever, you know, selling cigarettes, whatever I could manage. And I felt like I was reverting to old behaviors when I would like sell drugs and like hustle people on the street. And I, I just ran out of options. Yeah. So I was doing the house painting thing for a couple months, kind of miserable. I saw like an ad somewhere at like a job fair for tattooing. And it was at this like, and I was like, I took it as a sign. Like maybe I should get, you know, reinvolved, and maybe I should just like go there as an artist and try to like make money. So I found this shop in Miami that was like half a smoke shop, like a head shop and half a tattoo shop. And I was like, yo, if I could do tattoos at the shop, like I could make money and I could continue this life. So I was like, maybe I'll do that. So I still didn't have enough practice with like my good tools Mm -hmm. to be confident in them. So I was still reverting back to old tools, like lying, manipulating, stealing when I would get scared. So my best thinking for this interview was like, I'm going to print out a bunch of fire tattoos off the internet and use it as a portfolio. Right? <laughs> right? So they're looking for like a head artist a shop, oh, to, like run, the fuck run, to run the shop. So, so you come in like baby, like not even apprentice. Like, dude, my mentality God, is like, but... I have nothing to lose. Right. Like, I was homeless for years. Like really? I don't give a fuck about anything you do like what you're gonna tell me to leave your store i don't care <laughs> right. i have to write journal entries about the tempurpedic bench dude like i'm not i don't oh, care shit. about your you know smoke shop that you think you know <laughs> so i showed up there super confident like yeah i've run a bunch of shops here's my portfolio whatever and they hired right <laughs> so i remember I, went, I think i was more scared about them saying yes than them saying no right because right? now i have because now you got to show about my mom what yeah, so oh, I like God. go home uh, at the time and like realize that they want me to start work the next day, right? And I'm like, what am I gonna do? Suicide? Did suicide look like an option? Oh, that thing has been an option for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm surprised there were other options. So Fuck. I'm like staying up late, like trying to look into like how to manage, create schedules, like what average percentage it. I didn't know anything. Yeah. average percentage was what I should charge like for tattooing like per hour like revisiting on like styles and whatever thankfully it wasn't as busy as a shop as I thought it would be okay maybe one two clients a day okay and it was very much like you come in you tell me what you want and I try to get it done that day right like street shop yeah you know most of them are simple yeah and back you know 10, 15 years ago, it, it wasn't as custom and complicated in street shops that it is today. Absolutely. It's usually a screenshot and a, a tracing, right? right? right. Um, so a lot of like those, you know, kind of getting experiences. And I would just say yes to everything, like stuff I had no business doing because I had to. Like, I hey, I want to sleep. 
it's like, all right, well, I guess we're going to figure it out together. And were you the only artist or you were just their head artist? So it was me and like one or two other artists throughout the time there. So okay. they all kind of sucked. Like we yeah. all just sucked. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, it taught me how to hustle because I, I live 40 minutes from this job without a car. Right. So like convincing my friends every day, like, yo, if you get a tech, if you can drive me to work today, I'll give you, you know, a $200 tattoo uh, for 30 bucks. As long as you can also pick me up and drive me home at the end of the day, like, like deals. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> if you give me like, if you like, I can get there on the train and if you come get tattooed, and just give me like a pack of cigarettes and buy me lunch and drive me home. Like that's all we need. Like whatever I needed that. Right, right. And like learning to like that hustle trade for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So like some days, you know, I was making zero dollars, but I was fed and I had rides. And it wasn't <laughs> some days I'd make like a hundred bucks. You know, <laughs> Yo, it, was, it was good living. And that's huge yeah. compared to like being like broke as fuck. Yeah. yeah for like years. Right. Yeah. Wow. Right. So for me to like get to the end of a week and like not be in debt, have like half a pack of cigarettes on my nightstand, uh, know that I made it to work every day, knowing that I like stayed clean. Like that was a perfect week. Perfect. Like I wanted nothing more. Like I was totally fine going home and being like, hey, I'm just going to watch TV and not have anxiety. You know, where sometimes today I feel like going home, just going home is boring. Like I want to go out and like do stuff. I need more, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There was none of that. It was, I'm happy to be home, watch TV. I'm going to not smoke too many cigarettes tonight. So I have a couple for the morning and I'm good, you know? And it was simple. It was simple living, yeah. right? Yeah, dude, no shit. Yeah. So like, then what happens after this shop? Like, So then, you know, I worked there for like a year, year and a half, maybe. Um, I think I had a, a slip in that time, but I got it. I got back on my feet pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was like, hey, I want, you know, I've been here a little bit. I want to try to get more. So I came back up to Fort Lauderdale. I found this shop called Fat Mermaid Tattoo. That shop. Yeah. And uh, that's, I knew I wanted to work there because it was like a real shop with like real artists. It wasn't like half of anything. It was 100% a tattoo <laughs> shop, you know? And I didn't really know how to go about getting a job. And I was a little embarrassed of the shop in comparison that I worked at to where they are. So I figured the best way was I'll just schedule a tattoo with the best artist and try to talk to them about a job. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I think Which if you're watching, that's still probably one of the best ways to connect with an artist that you fucking want yeah. to connect with. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, that was skinny Charlie at the time. Um, it's so fucking funny. Yeah, 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 we did this tattoo. <laughs> dude, I booted next to skinny Charlie mad years ago. I think mania yeah. convention. Yeah, I think wow. I was twenty two, and he must have been right around there. And then um, at the end of the tattoo, he said, "You know, he knew I was fucking terrible at tattooing, but he was like, all right, we kind of need a piercer, so because you know, everyone, you learned to pierce and tattoo back in the day. Yeah, like nineties, two thousands. Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing that now." What's that, Amber? I'm learning how to pierce and tattoo. Right. And you know what? Like, it's a great place if that's where you want to, if that's, if you're looking to find a way to kill some time and also create some money while you're tattooing, it's pretty sweet dick. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like back then, every dude, I was a piercer and tattooer for a long time. And like, 
it like it, it killed like it hurt my ego to say I wasn't a piercer anymore. Right. Right. And then so that half is gone. Right. And now I'm like, I'm really glad I'm not a piercer anymore because now I have time to devote to my life and my right. tattoos. But yeah. 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 So, so he turned, so he made you a piercer. Yeah. And like he was like, pretty much, when can you show up? I was like, let me give my job two weeks. Um, and then, and then we started. And I met, you know, Dizzy. I met um, Scott Joppa, Phil Summers, Skinny Charlie, obviously. And we all worked together. And now I had this like new group. Like I talked about the groups in the beginning, right. this was a new group and they were all more advanced than I was. And that was when I got that real, like, I'm a tattooer, I'm around tattooers. So you finally got it, that feeling. The lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I know like, that feeling. Yeah, like, it, like a TV show. Like, you know, some are funny, some are serious, some are always picked yeah. on. Yeah. And, and this was- You have the characters. Yeah, bro. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited to go to work every day to hang out with yeah. the crew. And like, we're all idiots. So we were like tattooing each other and body mods and tongue splits and dick splits and tattooing eyeballs. And it was just crazy circus stuff every day. Yeah. You know, and yeah. there was like walk-ins, everyone could eat and it, and it was a great time. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I could be here for the rest of my life and be happy. Cause I, you know, I'm sure it was the same with you. Like when we got into tattooing, like I didn't really think I was ever going to like get rich or like wealthy. I was just trying to not have to get a real job, you know? And, and, and I like doing this all the time. Right. Right. It wasn't about this like rock star, like fame that it wasn't really part of it back then. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, was yeah, like, I no. just want to tattoo. I want to do artwork. My dad tattooed. So I wanted to do cool shit like yeah. your dad did. I grew up in a tattoo shop and made me want to fucking be there. Right. You know? And yeah. like, I was so happy to be at the tattoo shop. It wasn't until I fucking seen Brandon Bond and Roman Abrego in the magazines. Right. Until I was like, oh, you can be a rock star tattooer? Right. And people can fly in from other countries yeah, to get tattooed dude. by you? Like, yeah. Right. No, we were wearing like vans and like clothes with ink all over them and happy we didn't have to wear a suit and tie. I got, yeah, a, you know? I got a picture from somebody back from back in the day recently. She just sent it to me. And I'm in the picture sketching on my knee on a clipboard and you can see the ink stains all <laughs> yeah. over in a black yeah. and white fucking photo right. like dude i had ink stains so hard for so many years yeah. like now i wear a fucking apron right <laughs> it's like, yeah. but like back then like artists like house painters you know mm -hmm. any kind of painting or art like it almost was part of the look like you're wearing your painting clothes you just covered it yeah you know it's just yeah it's your attire for the job. I have I have clothes that I paint in now. Right. You know, like right. instead of ruining everything I fucking have. I'm laughing my ass off over here because Robbie, every time we're together, what do I wear the entire week? What your 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 fucking jorts, shirts, and fucking paint stained jorts. So <laughs> I'm thir I'm 37. I still haven't grown out of it. Yeah, I mean that that's the and a black t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, I drop real money on good pants. Wait, what was that, Amber? I am wearing my Vans as we speak. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if I drop real money on nice clothes, I know they're going to be covered with ink the next day. Why bother at this point? Well, I've see, given now, up. Now I just drop $30 on an Amazon outfit that looks snazzy and That's wear right. my fucking apron to protect it. That's right. <laughs> but really, the apron's a lot for the kids' stuff, too. You know, like, yeah. like I wanted to protect my home. Right. You know, like yeah. I realized... You know, you could be bringing diseases into the household. Yeah. Like, you talking that shit. Like, dude, I remember um, me and my brother have always been tumultuous. But when we were cool one time, he was tattooing me many, 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 many years ago. 
And this girl comes into the shop and our dad taught us to pour your black first. And then as you're doing the tattoo, then you start pouring the colors, but like never change your gloves. <laughs> so he starts fucking pouring the ink and she's like, you know, you guys shouldn't cross contaminate. And we're all like, fuck you. You know, like yeah, we we're all tough guy protective. Right, right, right. And I was like, ooh, that was the first sting I got. Then I started dating a chick a couple of years later. And she's like, you know, it's disgusting that you don't clean the chair between people. Right. And I was like, what do you fucking mean? Dude. Yeah. Different time. Cross-contamination yeah. wasn't something that I was taught, bro. I thought I was taught how to do a tattoo. You know, like that's it. And I was barely taught that. I was given a machine to run with. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, back to where you were. So uh oh, so I'm with the crew. I can stay there forever. Right. And then what happens? The shop gets shut down, right? Because you guys are doing mods and stupid shit. Or no, no, no. It was just like the owner was not a tattoo or cool guy, but he wanted to do something else. Oh, okay. So um, I'm like, okay, like what's what's everyone's plan i i didn't have a plan i was gonna stay here until i died you know and they're like they're like oh we're gonna go up to boca to our boy shop and i was like and they're like and you can come i'm like oh fuck yeah i'm following them around i was like cool i'm i'm holding on to these guys so we went up there we caused a bunch of trouble same circuit which shop is that all city tattoo okay i'm not familiar with that one all right so we worked there for a couple years same crew one by one, they kind of like fell off. There was, you know, typical drama, um, you know, people just choosing other paths. I got a little bit tired because we were living, you know, like it would be like come in tattoo till like two, three in the morning and then go to Skinny's house and everyone gets suspended off the tree. And then everyone would go to the bar and I would just kind of sit there and be sober next day, like rinse, watch, repeat. We're doing mods in the shop, but it was like these long days for yeah. years. You know, I mean, you're early twenties, you can handle it. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause you're bored and you're anxious and you got things that you need to fill your. your yeah. Time. Yeah. And you know, I have a couple of years clean at this point and I'm trying to figure out like little ways that I can like better my life. So this was around the time that I was like, you know, I think I'm going to try going to the gym. You know, I think I'm going to try to like eat healthier. I think I'm going to try to quit smoking cigarettes, uh, like life changes. Right. And like with that comes time. Right. If I want to go to the gym, I got to wake up, you know, an hour or two earlier. So I remember at the time I was waking up at maybe 11 o'clock. Right. And then you get ready. It's like noon. You're at work by one. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, so I decided I was going to start waking up at like 10 or like 930, like super early. Yeah. You right. know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In tattoo time. Yeah. Right. For me, that is super early. What's that? For me, that is super early. You right, get it. Yeah. You get it. So and I was going to do things like I was going to go food shopping and like pack a lunch. You know, like grown up stuff. Right. Grown up stuff. And it's required time. So like each year I would wake up like a half hour earlier. You know, now it's like 8 30, 8 o'clock, and it to have more of a full life. Right. And I'm sacrificing like the late night life. I'm not gonna go out till three in the morning. I'm gonna go to two or one thirty one and try to be home at midnight. Right. Yeah. They're like switching. They had all kind of left the shop. I was still at the shop. I had a good deal. I was comfortable. There was some bullshit, but I was able to ignore it easily. And they kind of offered or started bringing up the talks of becoming a partner of the shop. Um, and I remember thinking that was really cool and like, what an honor. It was a business that was running and it was working. Right. At the same time, my like crazy new friend 
was like, we should open a shop together. You know, the nicest in Fort Lauderdale, this and that, all the best artists around. This like crazy, like right. dream. Yeah. So I had like non-reality crazy thought. And then I had like safe partner, stable business, right? And I was like going back and forth for like a long time. Like, what should I do? What should I do? Like, you know, talking to people and they're like, you should take the shop that's already open and like go with the safe bed and, and progress in your career. I'm like, yeah, but the other option could be anything. <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah, but that's dumb. And like, yeah, you've done, you've made that choice like forever. Like, why don't you invest in this other guy's business? You know, and like what it really came down to is like one night, the option to me became like, are you going to invest in this other guy or are you going to invest in yourself? Yeah. And I ended up going with crazy non-reality dream thing that didn't exist. Which you, know? you kind of made that happen now, you know? like Well, this was the shop. This was the shop. This was crazy dream, not reality option. Right? Okay. So, you know, I found, so I ended up going over, I ended up like, all right, I'm going to open this shop. I'm going to go with this crazy idea. I had a non-tattooer who was going to be the financial backing. And he's like, let's do this. Let's open the nicest shop in Fort Lauderdale. I didn't know what that meant. I was 24, I think at the time, no idea. It's getting loud over there. Like, like you don't fucking be around me doing this all the time. Shut the fuck up. I love you. Sorry. She's cheering us on. <laughs> it was it was just getting really hard to listen to this conversation and have like your voice getting louder and louder. So sorry. I know and I love you. You're the best. I blame, shut up. I blame Danny, honestly. I do too. Yeah, yeah. I do too. We can blame Cam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not even here. Fuck him. Uh so we're opening the shop. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you know, Lou at Blue Foods had to mm -hmm. was letting me kind of side hustle there to still have income or opening the shop. Um, every day was a panic attack. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. Like we got to find a building. So we find one. I'm like, oh my God, we found a building. Everything's going to be okay. And it's like, we need furniture. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and then we'd like get furniture. And I'm like, oh my God, it kind of like looks like a thing. And it's like, we need artists. And I'm like, you know, like we're going to get artists. <laughs> so the kid at the time that I'm partnering with is like, you know, I know this kind of bigger artist roommate and I think I can get a meeting with him and maybe we can convince him to like come on board and help drive traffic for the shop. And I'm like, awesome. What's his name? He's like, is this kid Tyler Nolan? He's on Ink Master. And I'm like, oh, I know Tyler. Like I look up to him. I think he's cool. He's like, yeah, maybe he'll work with us. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Cause I'm a fucking nobody shit bag tattooer. And I'm like, maybe I could, you know, team up with Tyler and we could create something. So the, my partner at the time, the non-tattooer, a little older, I could lean on him, money, good family. I felt confident with him. Right. So he's like, we're going to meet with Tyler. I'm like, perfect. You know, my dude's going to talk to Tyler. I'm not going to have to say much. Hopefully he can convince him. So the night comes, my partner ends up getting sick. He can't make it. He's like, you have to go meet Tyler alone and sell him, <laughs> you know, and sell him on this idea. I'm like, dude, I'm not going. I'm going to cancel. I'm like, I'm 24. I suck at tattooing. I have no money, no experience. Like, I'm not going to convince this kid anything except to leave before the check comes, you know? <laughs> so we like, we, I go to meet him. You know, he's like, he's even like texting me, unlike any of my friends. You know, he's like being like, uh, 
he's like, yeah, like, this is going to be sick. Like, I'm stoked, like emojis and all this. And I like, don't even know how to respond. I remember like thinking like, should I send an emoji back? <laughs> like, how do I talk to this guy? I want to be cool. I want to be accepted. And yeah. like, so I end up making it to Meisner and like, he pulls up in this sick Beamer, like almost like slow and like rap music. And I'm like, I should just leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I walked here, like I whatever. Um, so we like meet up and it was just two tattooers talking, Man. you know, it wasn't what I thought it would be. He's just like, yo, I want to do this. I think this would be cool. I am looking to like make a move. And I'm like, yo, I want that too. I don't know why I thought we'd want different things. We're both tattooers. Right. One of the same we're thing. All we wanted- man. We're all in this experience yeah. together. We wanted a cool shop where artists were happy. You know, we had attention. We could get sponsored by companies. We could put money back into the shop, Yeah. do all the things the shop owners we worked for, you know, and hated and not do those things. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, this sounds like a good idea. And I was like, I, I think it is, you know? So we end up, uh, I, you know, I call him on the way home. I'm like, I think he's in. I think, I think, you know, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm like, I think this is going to work out. I think it's going to be like a really good thing too. So we started doing it all together and now it's like, it's fun. We're picking stuff out together, you know, signs. I was telling you aesthetic. Yeah. Tyler's like, all the problems like I thought we were going to have, Tyler kind of had solutions. He's like, oh, I have like seven or eight artists that want to work here, whatever. And it was, we just kind of opened with a bang and it was like, like rock star artists working here, you know? And like, at least compared to, to my work, right, right. I was like, wow, everyone that works here is better than me and older than me. And like, I can walk around and like, not only like look at what they're doing and ask them questions, but like, I get to work with guys that I've followed on Instagram my whole career. Like, this is wild, you know, like, so the first year was just like amazing. We're like going through that. I'm like, holy shit, this is like, this is well beyond like what I ever thought it would be. It's way better than the smoke shop. <laughs> you know? And way better than investing in somebody else's business. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, you know, there were there were challenges with that. Like things would come up. I, I wanted to be liked by everyone that worked with me. I wanted to be like a friend, you know? Which That's is, is real. Tough. That's real. It's tough. Yeah. And then what I what took me a long time to learn is like every shop needs someone to count on and like a strong leader. You know, and like when shit hits the fan, like they have to know, like you're tough enough to weather the storm. And a lot of times, like when you're being everyone's friend and and nice and giving, you come off soft and 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 not like a leader, right? Yep. You're just a friend. Yeah. So when shit hits the fan, like they're going to start creating their own solutions, which might be leave the shop, you know, which might be like divide, divide things, which might be like pull in and be selfish because I'm scared because they don't have anyone to count on. Right you know, what, which ended up happening. I remember we had a, a little falling out or some storm hit, you know, the pink cloud bursted, the, the magical year was over. Yeah. And there was some fighting and some bickering. And I was trying to be neutral, which is impossible when you're a shop owner, Yeah, you know, and you have to have a stance. Yeah. And I think we had what, 12, 13 artists leave in one day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just it was, it was three, me, John, and one, three. A mass exodus. 
So I'm just like tattooing and one by one, I see a tattooer walk out with boxes and, you know, kind of like, fuck you, whatever. And I'm like, all right, bye. And then another one, bye, bye, bye. The anxiety and starts like, to build more people. Yeah. Walk and I'm out. like, dang, like, who's left? You know? Ooh. And, you know, at that time, um, our other partner had left. Tyler decided, you know, it was probably best to part ways on that, which was totally understandable at the time. And yeah, it was like, it was me and Nate and Ricky. Um, and I'm like looking at these guys and I'm like, are you guys leaving? You know, and they're like, we're not fucking going anywhere. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I got my crew, you know, yeah. just a little smaller than, than the other crew we had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you got fucking 12 or 13 people handling the workload and then all of a sudden they're not there. <laughs> right. well, everybody knew us. Like, we yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Because we did so much marketing, like with Tyler and like playing on Ink Master and doing commercials. And we, you know, we had the financial backing, you know, radio, whatever. And it's like, wow, we're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. By the way, everyone's gone. And <laughs> we know? can't handle all the fucking business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like what it did is it gave me a clean slate and all these things I had learned in the first two years of running the shop, like I could now apply and like wouldn't really get any blowback. Right. Not that I didn't continue to make mistakes, but I didn't make as much of the same mistakes. Right. Right. Because if you make the same mistakes, you're a fucking idiot. Right. You right. know, like right. it's not just insanity. You're just dumb. Like, right. and, and that's one of the things I've, it's funny listening to you tell this story. It's very similar to some of the shit that I've been through. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cool. You can bounce back, you yeah. know, because in those moments when I've had two different mass exodus at two different shops that I own and every time it's heartbreaking. Right. And you don't think you can bounce back from it. Right. The first time it happened, I closed my shop shortly thereafter. Yeah. And then when it happened in Rad Inc., I was like, all right, I could close it, but I'm just going to open another fucking shop. Right. You know, like I got to feed the family. So what the fuck am I going to do? Oh, yeah. You just got to fucking put your balls on. Yeah. And like learn, learn from what you've done wrong. Right. So yeah. Just be a little patient. Yeah. And it's tough because like each station, like we we encourage <laughs> artists to like, same. So when they leave, all the decorations are you got fucking twenty guys. You know, going fucking in your closet and like grabbing shit off your walls at right. the house. It's like a you're trying to spread shit out to make it not look so weird. Spreads you're like a little spread. frame and you put it on like a 30 foot wall and you're like now you're like trying to just be oh. out with your presentation right, right. right. <laughs> but it's like what's my worst fear my worst fear is everyone leaving you know and it just happened right oh right or wrong oh. right or wrong? <laughs> dude that's like a big fucking pain point for yeah. me in my life like 100 yeah. what if i fail you know yeah what if what if i you know have this big idea and it fall on my face and i look stupid and everyone's like haha we were right you were wrong you know, what if everyone leaves? What if I go into financial crisis? What and every like, what if? Yeah, and all these things happen in one day. Right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I was like, ah, I've been through worse. Yeah. You know, like whatever, we'll figure it out. And like more importantly, I wasn't alone. You know, I had Seth, who was my booking manager at the time. I had Ricky. You know, I had uh, I had Nate. You know, I had my girl at the time. I had my recovery group. And sometimes it's easy to forget those things. Sometimes like when a big thing happens, it's easy to think, oh my God, and forget about personal life and family, mm -hmm. you know, because we get scared and we get self-centered and, and we look inward. Yeah. Right. At all the storm going on inward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And we just powered through it. And like it, this, you know, I'm a firm believer. Like if you show up and you put the work in, like you'd be all right. That's just been my experience. Right. So like we all showed up, we put the work in. And like, I think it was like next day we had this tattooer come in, like, Hey, I'm from Jersey. I'm looking for a job, Bob. And we're like, yeah, you're hired. And he was fired. Okay. And like an amazing artist. And then another artist and another and another. And it was like, as they were coming in, we could kind of restructure some of the problems that led to the yeah. drama of everyone leaving beforehand. Yeah. Like, listen, we've learned through trial and error that this is what we expect of our artists. This is what we want. And this is how we run the shop. And if you're in, you're in. And if you're not, you're not. But instead of like lying to you and saying, yeah, you can have whatever you want. And then yeah. in a year later, it's like, oh, that actually is a bad business plan and that doesn't work. And now you should be mad at me because I'm changing everything. And, and then they leave, right? <laughs> And I feel like every every early business owner goes through that. Yeah. Like when they came in, I was like, I want to make the most brilliant everything for you. And I want to make it as easy as possible, which right. is true. Right. But my one rule, my only rule was don't fuck up the vibe in my shop. And then the, the actually there was two rules. Don't fuck the clients. Right. Right. Those are my only two rules. Right. Well, now when you come to work at my studio, we show you exactly what we expect of you. Yeah. And then what we expect you to expect from us. Right. And then we ask what your goals are. Yeah. And then we move forward figuring that out. Right. Well, like without that structure, you're you're lying to them on accident. Yeah. And then they're pissed. And then everybody's feelings hurt. And now you want to fight. And then they want to fight. But then you just want friends. And you don't want to be left. So it's like this whole, yeah, right. yeah it's fucked. And it'll crumble every time. Like, yeah. I, you know, I didn't know it. But at the time, I had a business built on false expectations and yeah. lack of communication. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it crumbled. And we thankfully had the opportunity to, like, reset that and came back stronger than, you know, we'd ever been. And it was cool for me because at the at that time, you know, I was the the only owner. Um you know, I was used to like problems happening and I could be like, help, you know, or like if something bad happens, like you, you go to the boss or the partner, what, help, help. But now I was that guy, which kind of sucked in the beginning. <laughs> you know? Like something bad would happen and people would come to that. Oh. I'm not you this know? type of problem solver. Right, right. <laughs> trying to tattoo. Yeah, yeah. So like learning that and implementing people and delegating. Delegating. And, right. So I want to, I want to circle back around to something that we hit on at the beginning at 10 o'clock in the morning earlier on your podcast yeah when you said losing your leg is a great skill to have right as you were talking i realized that being in recovery is a great skill to have right. being homeless the way you were was a great skill to have like having all that rejection in your life is it's great right because like it taught you so much how to do this shit now and, and be and, and not fucking like, yeah, you want to crumble, but yeah, you know, you can't. Right. So like, I made it and yeah. here we are. Now we're going to make it again. It presents the opportunity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, you can just lay there and be miserable and being like, you know, people walk by, are you okay? And it's like, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, right. or you can like get the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. You know? And like, I went through all that stuff. Like, oh, poor me. Why did this happen to me? Why am I an addict? You know, it's not my fault that. You know, I got dependent, vicious cycles. Oh, my parents sending me, it does nothing, bro. Except for perpetuate the same bullshit. Right. And then you're the victim instead of the victor. Right. And like, that's the plan is to be the victor, not the victim. Right. And, and, you know, you might've talked about it like with your dad and like some other stuff about kind of speaking through actions, right? Maybe you were talking about it to a fault, like with, with your dad, but that's kind of what my 
life became is like I kind of stopped talking as much and I just started acting because I was a big talker when I was yeah. young and I promised this and whatever and well, you know, that manipulation in that yeah, place where yeah. you're just trying to speak it up so that way nobody sees what you're really doing or right. what you're lacking right and I'd come into these situations and a few times like an older head or like someone with experience would be like can you just shut the fuck up like if you knew the answer like you wouldn't how many times have we said that to people yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. like dude I just had to fire someone because of that type of shit I'm like dude shh yeah, because I was laughing about that because I did a guest spot there a month ago for like four days and I watched this man get hired and fired in that four day guest spot. Yeah, dude. And it's like, sorry, buddy. Like if right. you knew what you were talking about, you'd be me or one of these guys. Right. But you're not. You're you and you're doing a bad job at what you're trying to do. Just yeah. the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Learn. Yeah, just do. Be yeah. patient. Sit still. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. A very shut the fuck up moment with that guy specifically that like everyone in the shop from like Robbie and I are stenciling this guy to do this collab to the apprentice is there to the shop manager to a buddy of like everyone just looked at each other like weird 30 second like awkward freeze frame because this guy just just wouldn't. And, and like he kept repeating himself and so like and, and you know like I said I'm intentional with my wording and I'm I articulate my my words on purpose yeah so I was like hey maybe what you're focusing on isn't what we're focusing on let us figure this out yeah you know like which was my kind way of saying if you don't shut the fuck up you're out this bitch right you know and then like a day later he did a bad tattoo and I was like okay cool I got my reason you're out you know like and that was the teacher and this was like a month ago like he right. said that was my teacher of fucking follow your gut, you know, because, yeah. and you know, like follow your gut. If you would have went with the other shop, it wouldn't have worked, but this was your gut feeling. I'm going to build myself up. Yeah. You went through trials and tribulations, but you, you're, you've gotten there and you're getting further, Yeah, you yeah. know, but like you have to follow your gut. Otherwise you're going to be begging people to work for you, you know, and accepting the wrong people in your fucking experience in right. your life. So, yeah. 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 So were, were you still on a, on a, a cycle there? I, I know we're, there was I still mean, parts was of the story. Pretty much, you know, at the at the chapter where I'm on now, you okay. know, um, there was the the only other thing was I was trying to figure out the marketing, um, which you figured out brilliantly. Thank you. Uh, we so I've always had like other businesses outside of tattooing, mm -hmm. and one of those businesses has always been uh, marketing for other companies, okay. whether it's like SEO or like social media management, um, or e really any any way to get clients. You know, uh, I had kind of a mentor in in that sense, like outside businesses. You know, I had this other partner that we would get involved in all kinds. I mean, you name it, we did it. Whether we had a car dealership, we had a vape store, you know, we had um, marketing med spas. I'm trying to think of all, we had clothing stores, reselling stores, everything. I just like to be busy all the time. Uh, and like, he would kind of manage those and I would help out almost as a part-time thing. Yeah. And we would just kind of split everything. Okay. Like it was an... an we just figured that was the easiest way to be able to manage everything and everything be fair. So I got, you know, to try on a bunch of different hats and like 
try that partly because I was discouraged with the tattoo community, which we talked about. I didn't have much interest in, at the time, pursuing anything more in the tattoo community. I was like, cool, I made it. I built my shop. I have control over my shop. I don't really want to fuck with anything else in the industry. I don't want to go to conventions. I don't want to be, you know, a part of pro teams. I just want to do my shop. Uh, So eventually that kind of changed and clicked maybe two, three years ago, maybe like around COVID, where I decided to reinvest in the shop. So I started to pay attention to the other businesses because with the other businesses, I was just trying to create money. Right. You know, I was trying to be happy. I was trying to create a shield. Oh, like if I have enough money, I'll never be hurt again. It doesn't matter if people leave. It doesn't matter if partners leave. It doesn't matter because I'll have enough money to be protected. That's like what it came down to, you know, that fear kind of left and I wasn't as concerned with, you know, having that financial protection. And I was like, maybe I should reinvest myself into tattoo. So I kind of broke off from those other side businesses as much, which honestly was tough, man, because I took a big financial hit doing that. Uh, I was like, I'm going to figure out the marketing at the tattoo shop. I'm going to get it full of artists again. And we're really going to try this. And I remember like months, like working, trying to figure it out, trying to apply these marketing tools I learned to the shop. And it started with basic stuff, like redoing website, SEO, um, having, you know, merge the battle of keywords on the internet. And it was like kind of helping, but it, it honestly, it felt like I was doing a bunch of work for nothing. That's what it felt like. That, that, I've been doing a lot of that right now. Yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. And like just all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just putting it all together and trying to put the, the pieces of right. the puzzle together, but the puzzle's not finished yet. Right. And I just was like, yo, this isn't, this isn't me, you know, and like bringing in other people and they had good ideas, but it just, it, it still wasn't me. You know, like my one friend was like flying in all these famous people and like we were tattooing them, like whining and dining. And it was a good idea. I just like it just for some reason didn't click with me. You know, some of the younger kids are like, yo, you should like get on TikTok. Right. And I'm like, what's that? I don't even know what that is. It sounds dumb. They explain it. I just see these like weird, like the dancing videos. Dancing yeah. videos you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you words. about, dude? Oh, like, you, like, you think this is the end, you know? And it was. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this is some weird foreign app. Like, yeah. get off of this. Um, so they kind of explain, like, it's like Vine. You, and I like to Vine. You know, because there was like a couple so people funny. like I followed on there, like <laughs> L.A. Turtle, whatever. I just think they're like hysterical. And Vine was a fucking like a flash in the pan, dude. right? Like, right. That was like yeah. gone. It was so much fun though. Right. It went huge for a short period of time. I was working for Longnecker at the time, and he yeah. like started fucking around with vines. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, not me. Yeah. You know, like not gonna fucking do that. How long ago did Vine die out? I feel like it's been at least five, six oh. years. 2014, I would say 15. Still can't see watermelons without pronouncing it watermelon. So its legacy lives on. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so then all like, the bullshit you've been doing was a thing, but like TikTok was really the big next step to make things actually work. Yeah. If you want to like put it in perspective, um, I was pretty deep into. Uh, 
Instagram mm-hmm. and like some and and like Google marketing and that for how old I was, I felt like I knew a lot about okay. um, by no means a master, but maybe more than the average person gotcha. uh, to the point where like other companies were paying me money to do it for them. Right. And uh, maybe I had like 40,000 on Instagram at the, just like, that's kind of like where I was. I had a Facebook that I didn't really use. And that was kind of it. Um, maybe I was booked for like, two tops three months right so hey how are you yes danny so then i was like yo i can get with this yeah well i was like yo if i'm gonna do something it has to be authentic you know because it's going to be long play i don't want to get tired of being something that's not me mm-hmm. and like i don't even know like what people are going to react to so i already had like made like memes or like funny stuff and sent it to my boys so i was like maybe we'll you know maybe we'll start with that so one day i just asked seth to record me on the phone and i think the video was like i'm tattooing and he's like yo it must be so awesome to be a tattoo artist you just have to draw all day it's not hard and I just kind of stare at them and all these problems pop up, like back pain, no insurance, no retirement plan, whatever. And that was like the first thing. And I just sent it to my boys. I didn't even want to post it. And they're like, oh, that's funny. Ha ha. We all relate to that. Someone suggested that I, I post it on TikTok and Instagram. So I was like, all right, cool. So I did. And then, I don't know, maybe it got like 50, 100,000 views. And it was like a week later, someone was like, yo, you know that that did really well. Like that means those numbers mean it did well. Right. I don't right. know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. I don't care. You know, I don't because it meant nothing to me to have any views on that app, you know? They're like, do another one. So we like did another one. Same thing. It hit. We got lucky. They're like, yeah, you should keep doing this. I was like, all right, I'm gonna put effort into one. Tattooing Danny at the time, he's my client. He says he does a little film stuff. I'm like, you want to try to film a video? So we do this um, 10% smaller video where, you know, clients like, I'm like, hey, do you like this size? They're like, ah, can we just have a 10% smaller? I kind of look at the camera weird, like they're ridiculous. I bring it to the back. I just cut a little bit more of the paper <laughs> off. Yeah, I, I bring it back, I'm changing the size. And I'm like, how does this look? And they're like, perfect. And that's like the whole video. So we like post that one. <laughs> And it's like super like cheesy editing, like weird noises and the 10% smaller video, Danny. Yeah. 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 We post it. It goes nuts and like, not in a good way, <laughs> like millions of hate, you know, like people are like, you're giving away secrets. You're a piece of shit. You're tricking your clients. Like all bad. Right <laughs> now, I don't really care at the time because like I don't rely on this for anything. Like it's it's not a big deal, right? You know. And I think like a week later, like the apprentices are coming up and they're like, "You're a meme on the internet," and like people are making memes of me and they're like, "This guy's an asshole. He gives away tattoo secrets." And what year was this? This was like two years ago. Okay, three years ago. T- two two years ago. Uh, but the apprentices are like trying to explain to me like how big of a deal this is right kind of in a bad way like yo john you're gonna get canceled this is gonna ruin your career right right, right. right. 
And because to me, like the internet's still not a real place. Yeah. Right. But it is. To them, it is. Yeah. Like to the, the younger generation, that's maybe even more real than reality. Yeah. So like, John, you like people are making memes about you. Like you need to be worried. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I don't care. Go back to work. Right. <laughs> so, and I think my ignorance and denial to what was happening, like really helped. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to continue, you know, pissing people off. This is hysterical. <laughs> You know, this is hysterical. So we keep like making videos and then like almost to like get hate on right. the videos. Right. Like, oh, I wonder how many millions that of hate comments niche. we're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And then like no sending publicity it to my is bad publicity. What's that? Yeah. No publicity. No publicity is bad publicity. You've said that a number of times. Right. Today. Yeah. Right. And at the time, I had a few friends that were pretty well known from my other boy flying in all those famous people and becoming, you know, friends. And a couple of my friends got, you know, well known. Were trying to tell me that, like, all publicity is good publicity. And then I was saying before, like, that's easy to say when some of it's good. All of it was bad, you know? <laughs> so it doesn't feel like it's good. Right. Uh, and like, it just started where I would like go places once in a while and people would be like, Oh, you're that fucking guy, you know? And it was like kind of bad. And I was like, I don't really like this. <laughs> Whatever. We kept making videos. Eventually it turned good. Like, Oh, this is just it's it. like people just like I started to understand what it was. So did other people, you know? That's and I was, cool. I didn't even know what it was. And we the were evolution like, happened yeah. 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 And then we're realizing it's becoming more serious. Danny's showing up more now. You know, it's kind of a funny thing, more than like a weird, awkward. That's weird that you're 30 and you're on TikTok, you know, <laughs> and uh, and translating it into Instagram and Facebook and like building this thing. And now that we had some traction, I'm like, oh, I can make a business out of this. Right. Like, I may not know how to do content, but like, I know how to make a business. So, and then you know, hiring Danny full time as like editor, videographer, hiring a social media manager. Everyone in the shop wants to get involved, and it's, and it's like, oh, like this is going. And then having people like message like, y'all want to get a tattoo only because you made me laugh for no other reason. And I'm like, oh, wow, this works. You know, and then like having people be like, oh, Adrian, the clown in the video, I want to get tattooed by him or I want to get tattooed by Ricky or or this. And then like people in the comments like, oh, that's typical Cam, like learn. And I'm like, whoa, this is wild. And people showing up to the shop, never been there and know every single person's name and their personality and what kind of jokes. And I'm like, wow, this is making people comfortable with the shop before they've even come here. And that's like powerful. Well, that's the authenticity that you were looking for. Right. That you didn't want to lose. Right. Yeah. And that dude, that's wild. Like, and it's funny, like you made me laugh. Right. I want to get tattooed by you. I want to pay you thousands of dollars. Yeah. For this. Like, because what happens is they start to become familiar with you and then they start to trust you. Yeah. Which I didn't look over that. Right. I realized that was happening and I was like, okay, this is a responsibility. You know, like when people show up, when people, and, you know, sitting down Kim and saying like, you know, when you're approached, when you're recognized, whatever, like this is your, you are probably giving someone their first introduction to the whole tattoo community. And that's a big responsibility. And like, I, I know you didn't ask for it, you know, but we have it, you know, so you have to like show up, yeah. like, even if you're not in a good mood, like you have to take the time you have to talk to them about their tattoo. You know, if they have questions, I don't, don't think they're dumb. Just answer their question. Like be kind, yeah. don't be a dick, bro. Yeah. You know, 
Dude. and and going with that. It's funny. Um, Dan was talking about uh, Chris Plinston's shop, and when I guessed it there mad years ago, there was a sticker that said because nice matters. Right. And it's actually on my ink box that nice. I brought with me. But like because nice matters. Right. You know, like they they're terrified to come in here. We're scary individuals. Right. You know what I'm we're saying? Like weird. Yeah, dude. And right. like it's a, it's a weird environment to walk into and like dude, it's it's scary to do anything yeah, that you yeah. don't know. Yeah. So yeah, it is a big it's a major thing and like that's why my studio was named Rad Inc after the Rad movement cuz like it's about fucking emotional healing. It's about right. fucking growth. It's about loving the humans that are around you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Um cuz like watching the evolution of public perception of the tattoo shop because of how media has evolved that like in the 90s when I first got tattooed it was like oh this is where people that like stab you work right like <laughs> there's a guy doesn't like a line of coke off a switchblade and stabs you and he's like all right what do you want and then it became like with you know Miami Inc and all that that it's oh these guys are all the coolest dudes and they drive these like muscle cars everywhere and it's like super fucking rock star and now, like, everyone that comes into the shop is like, so do you guys do hijinks? Like, is it is there a lot of goofabouts here? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you know what? Actually, yeah, there kind of is. Like, it's the most accurate portrayal of what I think a tattoo shop is now to watch all these TikToks and people right. are like, so is, is there, like, the goofy guy here? Or, you know, like, the cool this? And it's like, eh, this is actually pretty accurate of how we are, yeah. Like, you should have seen the fucking video that we spent far too much time filming today. <laughs> Uh, you actually will see it. Um, I'm like, sure, I will. Yeah, it was <laughs> dude, like it was the most ridiculous shit. There was costumes. Fucking Zen ended up in the fucking video dancing on a table, like <laughs> and like lighting and like direction and like there's probably hours of editing that's gonna go into it. But like, <laughs> Danny's like, yeah, <laughs> but like <laughs> you see the people walking in during it, and they're like. Like coming in to ask a question, but so assed up against the front door. Like, what the fuck are you weirdos doing in here? I think it was like Matt Vaught or Jake Caramel that made a video about like when you're that goofy tattoo shop that does the Instagram, the the, the reels. Right. And like the clients sitting there, like kind of stressed out, annoyed as fuck. And everybody's just sitting here fucking la 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 being stupid shooting a video. Yeah. <laughs> We've had some fun you say that because I had watched uh doing 208 last year with Matt Bot and then at Evergreen this year that his was like real low key. And I was kind of like, hmm. But when I was at Villain Arts Nashville last year, Woody had done a video and those motherfuckers were like 18 cameras, like ring lights suspended from the I'm like, they're filming a whole goddamn Hollywood movie right now. This is bad shit insane. How much work goes into it? Oh, dude, today was insane in here. Like, it was nuts in here. Like, I'm very glad that you opened your studio to me and allowed me to be part of this because it was yeah. a lot of fucking fun. Good, man. It was everything I'd hoped it would be. Because, um, like, when you go on a guest spot or when you go to, like, do an interview or something, you know, personas are a thing. And tattooing yeah. famous dudes for fucking Instagram likes, I've done that. Yeah. And they're usually weird. Yeah. And you don't really build great friendships with every single one of them. So like yeah. to come in here and like see real humans doing real things. And like, even though we're outlandish with some yeah, of the yeah. things we were doing, but you guys were cool and fun and silly. And like, it was all human. Right. And like, you were awesome. Cause every idea I had, you like took in, you and Danny both were like taking in our ideas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Rather than just being like, shut up, Robbie, we got this. Like, right. no, like 
you allowed me to bring my part to it. That way I could fucking play the part and make it cool and make it authentic. Yeah. You know, but like even the fucking concept that we went with, the fucking be our guest theme for fucking <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast is so Robbie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so it like all worked out. It was all great. Um, I could talk to you for fucking days on here, um, but I feel like we probably have to cut it short. Yeah. Um, but uh, we ran a little over, which I'm used to, but uh, dude, thank you so much for impromptu doing this with me. Cause that just shows a huge version of your character rather than like, no, you came for me. No, you actually showed up for me too. Yeah. So that was really fucking cool. And I appreciate the shit out of that, man. Appreciate um, uh, I'm not going to lie. I fangirled a little bit when you started following me on Instagram, I was no, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, it's really fucking cool to like, see the people that like you look up to and aspire to be in certain ways. Um, because you're one of the huge inspirations behind me producing the content I produce now, you know, because like, I was like, that's stupid. I'm not going to do the fucking stupid dances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this dickhead's over here doing the greatest shit. And I'm like, all right, I guess I got to find what works for me. So. I'll start dancing now. Yeah, right. <laughs> ah, that's why I have a baby in a costume we on the table. We weren't wearing costumes. No, we were not. <laughs> I just wear a regular costume every day. <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you, Danny. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you guys always. Uh, this is Amber. We didn't even really get to talk to you guys much just because uh, this was so much fun listening to your story, man. Um, Absolutely. Thank you guys. But yeah, I, I, would, I feel like. <laughs> Go ahead, Dusty. We talk way too much, so it was really cool to just get to shut the fuck up and listen for a week. To be perfectly yeah. honest, like last time we did a show, I was mad at you two because you guys fucking weren't talking. I was like, "Come on, guys, help me out." Because <laughs> your kid gave me the death flu. Right. It's, it's so funny because the shoe is completely on the other foot now. This right. morning when we did their podcast. Like I fucking got to speak everything. It was so much fun because I just got to tell my stories. Yeah. You know, and it's it's easy when you're telling your story, but when you're leading the conversation, it's nice to hear somebody else tell the story. So right. and you have a really impressive story. It was funny at back at the hotel, Donna's like, you know, does John know what your podcast is called? Because it's called Let's Talk About Feelings. Right. And she's like, I don't know if he's gonna be that open to opening up. I was like, No, you have no idea. He opened up a ton on his yeah, podcast. Yeah, like yeah. Like, it's going to be cool. So, yeah, you know, the worries, right? The worries yeah. of, because you look cool right, on your right, social right, media, right. but like, you're not too cool to be real. Yeah. And like, that's a big fucking thing. And like, that's huge. Like everybody that's going to watch this is going to see that like, man, you could be a fucking juggernaut in your field and you can still share your stories. Right. And it was mind blowing how much you kept saying, like, afraid of everyone leaving me and like wanting to please people, wanting people to be my friend. And I'm like, man, you look so much tougher than that. Right. And those are all the, the issues that I go through. Yeah. And I probably look tougher than that too. Right. You know? right. So like, honestly, man, I, I love who you are as a human and who you presented to be and I dig it, man. So thank you. Um, thank you guys. Thank you, Guy Aitchison, Gay Ripley and all the humans that fucking make uh, reinventing happen. Allow us to come here and talk about feelings, which is something tattooers aren't super accustomed to doing. Uh, Dusty, I always appreciate you being here and being my fucking partner in crime. Amber, love your honorary nature. You're the best. Uh, you guys are the shit. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you all. And thank you again, John. It was fucking dope, man. Thank appreciate you, Sarah. Thank you. Guys. Have a great week. You too, guys. Take care. <laughs>